Hello, guys. Uh, my name's Jason, Jason Clark, and it really is wonderful to be here with you. Will's been a friend of mine for about best part of the last 10 years, uh, and uh, he's been a huge blessing to me, encouraging me and finishing my PhD in theology, but uh, also in life as a brother. And he had a, he'd reached out to me one time, been praying for me, and his uh, nudge from the Lord invo- uh, resulted in an amazing provision and intervention in my life for my special needs daughter. So uh, Will's a very special friend and has blessed me and encouraged me. And that's the way the kingdom works and the body of Christ works. And uh, I've known about you at J10 through Will, so it really is a privilege. We've never met, but uh, consider you as friends and family as I share with you. So uh, I'm going to share from John chapter 7, verses 37 to 44. Um, and uh, let me read those again to you maybe you've already had them read in your service today on the last and the greatest day of the feast of uh, sorry on the last and the greatest day of the festival jesus stood up and said in a loud voice let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink whoever believes in me as scripture has said rivers of living water will flow from within them by this he meant that the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is a prophet. Others said he is the Messiah. Still others said, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Uh, Some of you might know that passage really well. Um, Well, here's what I want to share with you this morning from this passage i want to do a little bit of background to the passage so we can sort of see some of what's going on but three things i've got for you first one is there is an immensity to the gift that jesus offers then we can look at how do we receive this gift that we offer and then a third thing about how jesus is the source of this offer um so a little bit of background here the feast of tabernacles has been taking place uh, last eight days happens every year with the jewish people um, and it's a reminder of the time when they were in the wilderness and moses uh, when they were when they had no water and moses struck the rock and, and they received water and it saved them from dying um, and they've been repeating this the feast of tabernacles uh, ever since um, and uh, and what they would have been doing in Jerusalem, they would have had uh, some huts and some lean-tos, and they reenact, you know, sort of trying to get close to what it was like living in the wilderness. And uh, a priest would go down to the Pool of Siloam, and they would take some water, and they would go up, back up to the temple, uh, and they would be singing Isaiah 12, verse 13, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And Jesus is watching this. He's been watching this in Jerusalem for eight days, and it's the culmination of the end of this and jesus stands up and we're told he speaks in a very loud voice in other words he was shouting now jesus is not just at the culmination of eight days he's also at the culmination of the time between the old testament and the new testament where god it seems was not speaking and there was no other scriptures or prophetic words or uh, interventions by the lord so and and the jewish people would have been doing the feast of the tabernacles every year for those few hundred years isn't that amazing jesus stands up at the culmination of all of this watching this the reenactment of the water from the rock and god being the water of life and jesus stands up and he says in a very loud voice he is the water of life living water and that if we drink from him, we'll never thirst. And more than that, it will overflow to other people. And the first thing we might think about is, well, what's the source of our life? 
um, it's really important, is it? There are things that make life more important, more than food and water. Now, this is more than a metaphor, um, because you and I know that there are things that make life worth living. Now, I've seen on Facebook uh, lots of posts, <laughs> and they're increasing, you know, almost a sort of feast of tabernacles about, hey, here's what's coming, don't worry, uh, we're going to rush to the pubs, we're going to eat out every night, and we're going to holiday endlessly. Like, you know, that's the thing that people are recalling and looking forward to for the source of life. And you know what? There are some things I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to a Five Guys Burger. I'm looking forward to getting on my motorbike and riding through the Kent countryside. Uh, But underneath that, we might say, really, are those the source of life? And if we're Christians... Uh, we we should ought to think about something else as a source and if you're watching this and maybe you don't know Jesus maybe you're discovering uh, what the source of your life is Um, and I think that quarantine and isolation is a bit like a wilderness experience for us isn't it an isolation we're waiting for streams of life to come back online and during this time we can see what we're really thirsty for and we can ask ourselves is God the source of my life And we might think about how Jesus makes this amazing offer to us to be the source of life to us. Now, I've got my wife and my kids and my hobbies and my work, and they can give me an amazing amount of meaning. But Jesus says, do you know what? If we make him the source of life, no matter what happens to any of those other things, we will never be thirsty. We will have a continued source for meaning and life and purpose. It's quite stunning, isn't it? Um, And then Jesus tells us it's the Holy Spirit that brings that reality into our life. So three things I want to unpack. That was background to this. First thing, understanding the immensity of the gift. So in verse 39, uh, we we read about the presence, the the presence of of God is what's important, isn't it? It's the spirit and the presence. Now, in the Old Testament, the, the presence of God and the activity of God are the same thing. They both go together. Yeah, at the same time, uh, you see this phrase, God was with them, uh, crops up through the Old Testament. Empowered living with Moses, Gideon, Samson and Elijah. Now, in Psalm 51, verse 11, some of us will know Psalm 59 really well. You've got King David and David is saying, um, do not cast me from your presence or take your holy uh, spirit from me. Um, David was a king and he had everything, but there was something he wanted more for his life, the source of his life, and that was God. And we're told in the Old Testament and New Testament that David was a go- was a man after God's own heart. And then in Exodus 33, verse 15, after all the miracles and the, the things that God has, has done with, with the people of, of, of Israel, um, Moses is standing before God, Exodus 33, verse 15, and God says to him, Moses, what do you want? You think of all the things he could have asked for, but Moses says this, if your present doesn't, presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. I think basically Moses was saying this, do you know what God, if you're not with us, present with us, and the source of what life is about, let's just not bother going anywhere. There's no point in anything. And the you know the greatest cry of human beings in history has has been is there a god does he see me does he care for me is he involved in my life and present in my life now in the old testament these moments of god breaking in and his presence were are actually very fleeting and i've talked about the 3 400 years between the old testament and the new testament when there was a lack of god's intervention and presence and then there is this explosion with advent heaven explodes there's stars and angels and angels singing uh, and we know that jesus is emmanuel god with us now 
Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, um, in John uh, chapter 11, if I just find that in my notes, um, talks about John the Baptist. People are seeing John the Baptist. There's this explosion of the of, of the ministry and the presence of God through John the Baptist, the like of which people have not ever seen in their lifetimes, or even their parents or grandparents have seen. And Jesus stands up about and talks about John the Baptist, and he says, "Do you know what? Someone is coming out. Some John the Baptist is amazing." But, and he's better than Moses and Abraham and David, all these other things in the Old Testament and God's presence. There's more of that going on with John the Baptist. But then Jesus says, but I tell you what, there is someone even more, someone greater than John the Baptist. And it's him. And what Jesus is going to do is going to pour out the spirit of God after his death, he tells us in this passage in John. Uh, and heaven is going to be open 24-7. Now that's astonishing, isn't it? It would have been astonishing to the people hearing that at the time. And anybody in the Old Testament would have, would have, been, uh, would have blown their minds to hear that and think that that might happen one day. But yet I wonder if you and I still live as if we were in the wilderness. Um, we live on top-ups from God from time to time, don't we? Um, one of the symptoms is that we turn to God when we're thirsty for the other things that have been cut off in our life. Let me repeat that. One of the symptoms is that we turn to God for a top-up when we realise the other sources of life that we want have been cut off from us. And it shouldn't be that way. We should be plugged in to the source of life itself so that he can bring into our lives whatever he wants to bring to us. Now, if we were in the Old Testament, can you imagine if God only spoke to you once in your lifetime and you saw that? How important that would be to you? And you know the phrase familiarity breeds contempt, because it really does, doesn't it? We have Bibles everywhere, Bibles online and free Bibles, and we maybe read them every once in a while, but the people of God were desperate for a word from God, and people in history would do anything to get together to hear from and read and listen to God's word. So this is the first thing, understanding the immensity of what Jesus offers us. Do we really as the source of life? Second thing, how do we receive this gift uh, for the source of life? How do we receive it? Well, um, let's jump to Revelation 22. So we've got John by the, uh, the Gospel of John by John, but John, who's uh, writing the book of Revelation, um, at the end, right at the end of Revelation, and chapter 22 at the end of the bible in the last chapter at the end of time itself we're told the city of god uh, the, the new heaven the new earths and jesus will return and and some of the metaphors that are there the pictures of things that are just unimaginable that, that john's trying to describe that he's seen there is a river of life flowing down from god's throne there is the tree of life uh, and, and all these rich images but this river of life it's the streams of living water here we go now, Jesus warns us that some people won't be there in eternity in Revelation 22. And he tells us in Revelation 22 that the murderers and those who practice magic and the occult and the fornicators and the heretics won't be there. So we might be thinking, oh, phew, I'm none of those things. Well, fornication might be a little closer to our church experiences uh, and people in life. Um but the murdering and the magic and the occult, oh, well, maybe heretics, who knows? Uh, and Jesus says those people won't be there. So we can read that little list like that 
tick it off i'm not any of those things and we think ah so the people who live morally they're the ones that get into eternity and the answer is no this is the shock and the surprise of what jesus tells us from john 7 and revelation 22 in in revelation 22 verse 17 it's almost like jesus as as he appears at the end of time repeats what he said in john 7 the spirit and the bride say come and let the one who hears say come let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life and jesus repeats at the end of time in revelation that the issue about eternity and where we end up and who is with jesus in this amazing experience is about who is the source of our life have we been thirsty for god or have we been thirsty for other things that's it let me unpack that a little bit more with you uh, paul in 1 corinthians 6 verse 9 he gives a list of all the people that won't inherit the kingdom of god he says don't be deceived fornicators idolaters adulterers male prostitutes sodomites thieves the greedy drunkards revilers robbers none of these will inherit the kingdom of god and and it's an almost similar list of people uh, and we do the, make the same mistake that other people in history have of going oh i'm not on that list therefore i'm fine i'm not bad i don't hurt anyone i mind my own business and you know what when we do that we put ourselves in the same category as the pharisees who we know jesus regularly berated and by that i mean this quarantine i've already mentioned this can reveal the sources of what our life are there are things we get cut off from even our jobs as painful as that might be we get cut off from family and other things and it's only then that we realize that we've made them the source of our life and not jesus another way to unpack this imagine at the end of life we're going to meet jesus the resurrection jesus scripture tells us everyone every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess that jesus is lord we're going to meet jesus and some of us when we meet jesus are going to fall at his feet it's going to be amazing and we're going to say oh at last i'm home you were my life you were what i always thirsted and longed for i know lord sometimes i ebbed and flowed and i was close to you and away from you but you were it you were it you were you were life and oh this is just amazing and you know what we will not be able to fool jesus at the end of time jesus warns us in matthew 7 verse 23 jesus says this i'll read it from the message and don't you know what i'm going to say about what happens at the end of time he says you missed the boat all you did was use me to make yourselves important you don't impress me one bit you are out of here there is this warning from jesus about eternity the consequences of what we live our life around and base our life on and jesus is saying this nothing and no one can enter into eternity sustained by jesus if we were not sustained by jesus in this life now as the source of our life and you know what that's why murder anger pain we're told in revelation none of those things can continue in eternity because they are not sourced by jesus and therefore they will automatically die and be cut off any way of life not sustained by jesus or in him will have no place in eternity it won't be able to live and be sustained so eternity runs the risk of being of all the other sources of life will be cut off if we've been relying on our work for life itself 
that won't continue with us in eternity. It can't continue with us. Even our family, the best things. That's why scripture again again warns us of the danger of idolatry of having anything else as the source of our life because it cannot bring life to us now in god and it cannot bring eternal life to us doesn't mean those things aren't important but it can't be the source so is jesus the source of our life now because there are eternal consequences to that let alone the experience that we have now and that's what i want to finish with this third thing the experience that we can have now if jesus becomes the source so We've been warned, don't be deceived. Jesus is not magic water. When he says about being uh, uh, streams of living water, he is not magic water to sprinkle on our work and our families and our hobbies and our lifestyle. Now, Jesus cares about all those things in our life, but he's not our, I'll use a metaphor, he's not our magic magic watering can. Um, it's like we uh, go over and get a bit of Jesus and we go, we've got a little allotment and we go over and we get some Jesus water and we sprinkle it on our lives, the allotment of our lives. And we, ex- and we go, this Jesus water is, is more powerful than your water that you've got. And I, and all these things will grow. And I think that's what often we do with Jesus as living water or think we can do, but Jesus doesn't want to be our watering can. Instead, he wants to water us with living water and transplant us into what's coming he wants to bring the tree of life into our life which is the cross he wants us to experience resurrection and eden and the kingdom so instead of these little allotments and sprinkling out water what jesus wants to do is he wants to transplant us into him the tree of life we're told this in john uh, uh, a, a bit later in john from the passage i'm reading here jesus says he is the vine and we are the branches. We're supposed to be grafted into him, transplanted into him, a, a living in him, sustained by him. Now, what would, might it mean if Jesus is the source of our life and we've been transplanted into him? Well, it might show up in our social media and our conversations and our our photos and our memories. Um, the Feast of Tabernacles would be a natural part of our lives. Look what God has done for me and in me. He is the source of my life. Now, you can die from thirst. Most of us are never going to experience that. But many of us might have at time been very, very, very thirsty. And there is immediate relief when you drink water, uh, when you're really, really thirsty. First thing is you think, oh, my goodness, water is the best thing I've ever. It's amazing how good water tastes when you're very thirsty. It's like the best thing ever because it is. It's a source of life itself. But then your body responds to it. Your kidneys haven't even had time to process it. And put it into your body but straight away your body responds to it it renews and revives you and it gives you life and you know what that's what jesus is trying to tell us where we are so often so replete from the other sources of life that we're not thirsty at all for him because we keep drinking from all these other things and again there might be an opportunity at the moment that you're getting thirsty for the wrong things and it's a chance to drink from Jesus, streams of living water.
Now, the main thing the Holy Spirit wants to do is to bring Jesus in our lives, to bring this living water to us. And the way the Holy Spirit does that and transplants us into Jesus as the vine is for us to die. The cross is a symbol of the tree of life as well as an experience for us. It's death and resurrection. That's why we've got Galatians 2 verse 22. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. My life is now in him. And then... uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, oh, I lost my place in my notes there. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, in Christ, they are a new creation, a new life. They've got a new source for life, and, and, and we're growing in Him. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And what happens then is the Feast of Tabernacles becomes our life itself becomes our whole life is a feast of tabernacles and we spend all of our lives experiencing and talking about do you remember when jesus did this and this and this and this like the feast of tabernacles that jesus was witnessing in john 7 last thing i want to finish with you is this now at easter time we just had Easter, haven't we, quite recently? Uh, and in John, uh, we see Jesus on the cross in John 19. Later, knowing that everything had now finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And he gets, you know, a bit of water on his lips and vinegar, actually. And then it says, when he'd received this drink, Jesus said, it's finished. He bowed his head and he gave up his spirit there's something here about living water that's very important for us to revisit to get the bigger picture again for what's happening um now in luke 16 we have a we have a a parallel story of jesus on the cross and this is when jesus immediately before saying he's thirsty says god my god why have you forsaken me and then we're told as i just read in john Jesus says, to fulfill scripture, he says, I am thirsty. And then he breathes his last. He bows his head and gives up his spirit. And here's what I think is going on in the cross. In between John 7 that we looked at and Jesus declaring himself as living water, and between Revelation 22 and Jesus with the living water and the tree of life, that this is what's happening. Jesus on the cross takes upon himself every false source of life that will not be able to sustain us in this life and into eternity everything that will automatically cut us off from life from eternal life now and eternal life to come and what happens is he takes all of that upon him and the result of it is jesus is thirsty well in luke 16 we see uh, what thirst is um and what's happening in luke 16 is um, there is a parable that Jesus tells. And in Luke 16, in that parable, there is a man who's rich. Now, by rich in the New Testament, when Jesus tells the parable, means anyone who has a source of life that they're depending on other than God. That's what rich is. Not someone that we might think of as, well, they're rich, I'm not. Anyone, that's what Jesus is saying, with a source of life other than him. And this young man is in in separation from God. He's he's in hell. Jesus talks about hell quite a bit. But Jesus just describes it. This man looks at, at Abraham and he sees Lazarus and he says, um, I'm thirsty. Could you could you dip your finger in some water and touch my tongue? 
In other words, Jesus gives us a description of what a separation from God is like. It's like being cut off from the source of life and all the false sources of life. And the, the experience is thirsting. And I think that's what's happening to Jesus on the cross. He takes all these false sources of life onto him. They cut him off from his source of life, the Father. And Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is broken in his connection to the Father, the most important thing of the source of his life. And then Jesus says he is thirsty. And then no wonder Jesus dies. And we know Jesus died on the cross far more quickly than what the crucifixion would normally do. And it's the weight of those separations. So there's just a little unpacking of that for you. So what does that mean for us at the end of this? What is the source of your life at the minute? Is it being revealed? What are you thirsting for that can only be sated, satisfied by a life where Jesus is the source? Will you come to him and be transplanted into him for life and eternal life? By the way, little aside, it's interesting when Mary sees Jesus in, um, she mis mistakes him, but she doesn't mistake him at all. She sees him as a gardener. The original gardener was Adam in the Garden of Eden to tend us and transplant us. So let's drink from Jesus as the living water. Um, now, some of you might be in a situation at the minute where, you know, you're really protected. You're not being cut off from the sources of life. You've got a protected job and you're just passing time until things go back to some sort of semblance. Well, maybe the Lord's nudged you as well today and said to you, you know, one day something might happen to you. You, you might experience what you see other people seeing. And you'll need to ask before then, is Jesus the source of my life? Uh, and some of you, you're in the wilderness right now. And you are really thirsty and you need to know this. Jesus is your source. And if you need to drink from him, he is here for you today. Amen. May the Lord bless you. In fact, let me pray a prayer to close. Um, so people at J20, may the Lord bless you. May he be the source of your life and may every false source of life be revealed in us. And may we have the willingness to see them for what they are and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry, and may you become the source of my life. I want to be grafted into you. I want you to be the vine and me the branches. And Lord, I'm sorry for when I treat you like a watering can to sprinkle you on my life. And instead, would you pick me up, uproot me, however painful that is, and transplant me into your life and your kingdom and your purposes for now and eternity. Amen. <laughs>